In light of the spiritual warfare we face on a daily basis, God is so kind to us that he doesn't leave us to our own devices, as we'll see next on Truth For Today. Valley Bible Church in Hercules, greetings and welcome. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Here in Ephesians chapter 6, we have the famous spiritual warfare passage. It lays out for us just how God has come to us to provide, care, and protect us in the evil day that we face. God's provision for an evil day is the subject of our time together today. Won't you join us? Again, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, our teacher and pastor with this edition of Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard. Well, we're going, we're looking, taking the book of Ephesians and we're taking a little hiatus here to look at the subject of Satan and uh, his influence, his ministry uh, for evil. And we want to know something about him and before we look at Genesis 3 and examine how he approached our first parents and to study his strategy and how he could seduce unfallen beings to sin, would you look to the New Testament and let me just give you some anchor verses to maybe keep in your mind about his character and by the way he works. The greatest way to deal with your enemy is to know his strategy and his tactics. And so I want you to look at John 8, 44, and I'll not be preaching these verses, but I just want to anchor them in your mind if possible. John 8, 44. Uh, Jesus told the listeners of his day they needed to know God. They needed God to be their father. And they said, we don't need God. We've got Abraham as our father. And so he goes into a description of their spiritual heritage and 8.44 is the verse. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire or his will. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we have a deceiver, a liar, a murderer that's loose in the earth and in the heavens. And uh, as we come to the Genesis narrative, you realize there's now two voices we've got to live with. The voice of God in the cool of the day and the voice of the seducer at the tree. But he says, know that when the enemy is talking to you, always be assured he's a liar Two, he's a murderer. And three, he wants you to do his will. So just, you know that. Now watch what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that he warns believers uh, of how Satan operates. And he tells them in verse 11, I write these things to you, in order that Satan might not outwit us. For we are not unaware of his schemes. And his schemes here is the word, we're not ignorant of his thoughts. 
We're not ignorant of what he plants in our mind. He is not omniscient, but he has the means of planting things in your mind that have a satanic origin. So he, he speaks, he plants thoughts, and wow, we embrace it. James says it's like a pregnancy that we're seduced by bait. We take the bait, and then sin is conceived, and when sin is done, it brings forth death. Now, one other passage before we go to the narrative. Look at chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse, 11, verse 3. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Eve was deceived. And uh, we want to look and see if we could figure out Satan's strategy as we look in the narrative of Genesis 3. As uh, we go there, I just was reading this past week in Leadership Magazine, talking about words being expunged from uh, the vocabulary of books on history, uh, secular books, such words as hell, devil, Satan, uh, sin, are now terms expunged from all secular writings. Uh, the devil is not believed by many religions, uh, Unitarianism, Christian science, uh, many religions uh, say there is no such thing as evil, no such thing as a personal devil. Uh, uh, Protestant liberalism would say the devil is a medieval invention that comes out of folklore. And so when you come to the biblical narrative, you just, wow, there the devil is without any explanation, any excuse, no saying this is a medieval invention. There's a person that shows up. And so we step in the narrative and let us read. Genesis 1 and 2, everything's good. Everything's perfect. He's created man and woman, six days. He's resting. They're in paradise, which is really a, a Aramaic word for a garden, lush, beautiful, uh, perfect bodies, a perfect environment, uh, never sin, uh, no ghetto, no seductive voices. It is absolute perfect. They're made perfect. In chapter 2, by the time Adam sees Eve, he says, wow, this is a piece of work of God. She's a compliment to me. I now have a companion. I've got this great environment. It's an environment in which you would say, surely you could be happy here forever. Surely this is the ideal. And into this ideal environment, there's never been a seductive voice in history until Satan, because he had nothing to seduce him to evil. It came up from his own heart. Nobody set him up. Nobody talked to him. He invented the first sin. And now we read the narrative. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, 
But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And then we read to the, at verse 21, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. This is the word of the Lord. I want us to look at three things from this narrative. I want us to look at the tactics Satan used to get innocent people to sin. There's something worse than Satan, and that is sin. Sin wants to rough us all up, but there's something worse than the devil, and that is when the devil gets you to do what he wants you to do. Uh, and then we want to look not only at the tactics, I want us to consider the tragic results of listening to this voice and carrying it out. And finally, the dilemma. What do we do with people who broke the rules and deserve the death sentence? Is there any possibility anything could ever be right again? Uh, what are the tactics of the serpent? Uh, he wants to work on this couple. He shows up. Obviously, they were not caught off guard by a serpent. It's quite interesting. Satan used the body of another. He never did show up as this majestic, angelic being. He just starts using the body of another and starts doing his talking. Obviously, before the fall, women weren't afraid of snakes. It didn't seem to catch, this didn't seem to be an unusual thing. This is not myth. Christ referred to this story as authentic, as being real. And so we find in this garden, in this perfect environment, a slithering voice shows up. And uh, what in the world will be the tactic and the motive 
behind the voice. The voice is, since Satan has already deceived one-third of spirit beings, and he comes and he hangs out on the earth, and he sees what God has created, and he knows they're perfect, for some reason he's drawn to this planet, and he sees something else made in the image of God made far greater than all of creation except for spirit beings. He sees a rival almost, not in his power, but another kind of uh, angelic realm as far as this hierarchy of privilege. And here's man and woman, rulers of the earth, given everything they can possibly have. The only thing they don't have is godhood status. They're like God in that they're made in his image. They have, I think, that image bearing is intellect, will, and emotion. Some even say that there may be an external configuration that is representative of God when he appears to others. For sure it shows up in Christ when it comes to the earth. But how will this evil being get people who have it all people who need nothing, people who are at the height and the epitome of what human beings could ever be, how could you ever seduce them and create a dissatisfaction or a craving for something they don't have? What is it they didn't have that they even needed or were aware of? Nothing until the serpent shows up. And when he shows up, his first tactic is he gets them to doubt the word of God. And the first question in the Bible comes, did God really say this? Uh, an old, old argument. He starts the doubting game and he plants the seed there. Did God really say? Now, had God really said? Absolutely, no question. Satan knew that and so did the couple. But let's start there. Doubt is one of the favorite tricks of the enemy, that you move from certainty, uh, move from boundaries, uh, you understand the game plan, and all of a sudden you begin to negotiate and rationalize a different way of living and doing. That's what's so terrible about our sin. We can make it so rational. We can make it so necessary. Uh, so uh, it was just the right thing to do. Uh, and we start this doubting game. And then uh, the enemy not only puts doubt there, uh, he distorts the word of God. And he says this, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now, is that not subtle? You must not eat from any tree of the garden. What was the prohibition? You can eat from all of the trees, but only one you can't eat from. And when Satan worked to distort it, he made God a cosmic killjoy. God says no to everything. There's nothing you can eat from. Distortion. God had said you can eat from everything but one. I wonder how many kinds of trees were in the garden. Let's just for a, uh, let's just be safe. Let's say 10,000 species in this original garden of God on the earth. 
I mean 10,000, let's say. Let's make it 5,000. Let's make it 2,000. I can eat from 2,000, but only one is prohibited. And when Satan distorts him in the temptation, he says, you can't eat from any of them. And immediately we're, we're thrown a distortion that starts saying, what's God's problem? <laughs> Why is God making all these prohibitions on me? What's this about? No, you distorted God. Let me tell you one of the greatest distortions. Hear me now. I want you to get this point. One of the greatest dupes and greatest distortions of the enemy is God is a cosmic killjoy. That if you really want pleasure and life at its max, you can't follow God because God is opposed to your pleasure and your joy. But that is a great big distorted lie. God has made every one of us for pleasure. God made us for his pleasure. And he created us to enjoy pleasure. Why did he make all these fruit trees? Why did he make these surroundings? Why did he make these beautiful bodies that Adam and Eve seemed to be so impressed and enjoyed? Why did he give all these good things if pleasure was not on his agenda for us? Hear me, a Christianity that says following God is drudgery, the end of fun, the end of pleasure. If you really want to have pleasure, you've got to get outside of God's will because that's where the action is. That's where the fun is. That is a distortion of God's purpose for you. He didn't create you to make you miserable. And he did not give us Christianity to be a killjoy to our pleasures. He's saying, I want to be the source of your greatest pleasure, and I've made you for it. Sin is the insinuation I can find the utmost pleasure apart from God. And that is the slap to God. So Satan has clearly distorted the prohibition, and he's made it include everything. Sometimes we see Christians that way, their Christianity is only measured by what they can't do and not by what they can do. I'm a Christian. How I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't. Wait, wait, wait. Christ came to give you eternal life. He came to remove sin. He came that you would be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Don't buy into this thing. It's a negative experience. Now, I must say this. At the beginning of the Christian walk, the way seems narrow, and you may lose a lot of fellow travel companions. But measure that walk as it goes over the years and track where those companions are. You'll find the path God led you on leads to joy unspeakable, full of glory. There are pleasures in God that exceed anything this world can fabricate or even come close to. But I, I think young people are afraid to become a Christian because once I become a Christian, I'm going to hear everything I can't do and I'll be blind to everything I gain. So that's a satanic ploy. Then, of course, the devil makes an outright denial. Eve does a pretty good job of saying what they can do. She did add one word. She said that uh, we cannot touch it or we will die. And God had not said that. He said you can't eat it. But she added that. And then verse 4, you will not surely die. 
This is denial, denial, an outright lie. Do it. You can sin and not have consequences. You can sin and God's bluff that if you eat it, you'll die. Don't be intimidated by such a rule. Who does God think he is to tell you he can kill you if you break his commandment? Does he think he's God? Listen to me. Now, God's not doing any talking in this narrative at this time. You find out there's two voices loose in the earth. The voice of the serpent, the deceiver, the denier, the liar, and the voice of God. And God has said in chapter 2, his intentions, do not eat of this one tree. But you will not die. You can't sin with immunity. There are no consequences. Go ahead and do it. God just doesn't want you to have fun. And of course, um, the lie is bought, hook, line, and sinker, and we've been dying ever since. The race is dying. Uh, plants are dying. Animals are dying. Vegetation's dying. Fish are dying. People are dying. And where did all of this come from? Romans 5, 12 said, As sin came by one man, so death entered into the human race by the sin of one couple. We were killed in the garden. The race was slaughtered. Because Adam and Eve, Adam in particular, represented an entire human status before God. Romans says he represented the entire race, and what God did is, if you do it, I'm going to charge all your descendants. And the proof of it is physical death will come. Spiritual death will result. And so we bought the lie that we could become like God by sinning against God, and we bought the lie that I can sin without consequences. There are no consequences. The wages of sin is death. Now, see, in our culture, we don't even talk about uh, the, the term sin. If you go to secular sources, sophisticated sources, maybe psychology, maybe a therapy, sin would not be used. Uh, we've invented the blame game. We've invented maybe there's something wrong with your environment. Maybe you didn't have the right set of parents. You're in suppression. You're in denial. We must find someone to blame because you could not have overtly brought this on yourself. You could not have broken a rule that brought this on you. Because there's no such thing as the devil. No such thing as sin. So we've got to find another explanation. All the way back, our couple... Our parents are dealing with this. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. 
As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511M Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times. And we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. Or you can write to us at 1511 M Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.